Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on today's program, a look at some headlines, quite a bit going on in the news and uh, including another school shooting. So we'll take a look at uh, that information. China, they're getting more and more aggressive. They, uh, Xi Jinping, their leader for life, gave a pretty nationalistic speech. We'll look at that. And also, how important is uh, character when it comes to leadership or when it comes to the military? Very important. We'll take a look at that and more this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. I'm Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon is here today. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can uh, email us, comments at kpcg.fm, and we're happy to look at your uh, questions or concerns or story ideas or anything you'd like to send across uh, we've got some headlines that we're going to look at uh, here in just a moment, but uh, we're going to start today's show with a uh, a question that Grant has brought to uh, to me, and he will bring to the listening audience. Uh, and, and you were discussing this with your wife last night. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you want to set the stage here. Yeah, it it does it sparked quite a heated debate uh, between us, and basically, I was trying to tell my wife that beauty is scientific, and I was referring to all these people who have sketched out the face they have diagrammed eyes nose ears and mouth the size of each the relation and the proportion to each of the other parts of the face and they they came up with like the most scientifically beautiful face of all uh, was it a picture of me <laughs> <laughs> it was very close to what you look like oh, thank you <laughs> but uh anya was more of the opinion that uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, basically, and that each individual person has his own idea of what beauty is. Yeah, so we were discussing this, uh, Grant and I, just briefly beforehand, and and I think the conclusion, I think we kind of both came to the same sort of conclusion, and that would be that uh, I think beauty is pretty scientific, mm-hmm. as you say, but yet when somebody's in a relationship with somebody uh you know a husband wife or something like that um they they certainly are going to find their spouse you know to, to appealing in many ways mm-hmm. and so there is there is sort of that that certain love and attraction that's there however there is also a scientific reality of what typically constitutes beauty there would be maybe some within a certain range maybe some preferences or something like that but yeah i i i, I it's very rare that you would see somebody and have people disagree wildly about whether or not they would be considered attractive. Like you might get a few <laughs> yays and nays, but I think for the most part, um, I think everybody would be on the same page. Well, that's where some of the most intense debate between us came in last night because we were, I was watching a little bit of a basketball game and I was like, look at Blake Griffin. This guy, he has just the build of a real man. 
he's a good looking guy. I can I can objectively say that. And she was like, no, he's he's really ugly to me. <laughs> oh, really? And I'm like, there's no way you could possibly tell me Blake Griffin is an ugly person. You're just saying that because you're married to me. You don't have to lie to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> poor Blake. Why did Blake have to be brought I know, into poor this? Poor guy was the victim of our of our argument. But uh, it was just it was just funny. Uh, I think that probably highlights the difference the differences between men and women uh, on a subject like that. Uh, women have a more romantic view of it. Men have a more like logical approach to that. Uh, I was trying to say that beauty and attraction are two different things. Like if you took a list of uh, the most scientifically beautiful people, uh, I thought the most scientifically beautiful would have been the one who is eighth on the list of all the celebrities that they that they put in order uh, based on the qualifications. So personally, the most attractive one to me was eighth on the list. So beauty can be measured scientifically, but that doesn't mean every single person is attracted to that same person the same way. It's an interesting question. That's always the, that is the, the famous expression, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it is interesting, but, uh, but yeah, I do think uh, it is, certainly there are some, some norms that, that would constitute yeah. <laughs> what, what's considered good looking or not. But uh, it is an interesting question. Well, hopefully it, it, you guys, uh, you, you never came to a consensus. You kind of agreed to no. have a little bit of a, she said she would never agree with me on it, but okay. uh, the conversation just kind of cut <laughs> off at its peak. So I'm hoping we can have some more scintillating debates like that. It's always really entertaining. Robust, robust <laughs> debates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always, uh, those are interesting questions because uh, people do have uh, different takes on it in some ways. And so that's that's an interesting question to think about. Uh, so yeah, if you have any thoughts on that, maybe you, you could email those to us, comments at kpcg.fm. We'd be happy to take a look. We'll do a survey. Yeah, there you go. See what people think. See if it divides along age or gender or, or anything yeah. like that if there might be some trends there yeah can is is beauty scientific or is it in the eye of the beholder that's the question hmm. good question some uh, headlines to take a look at today that uh unfortunately are more of the violence side of things including another school shooting uh this is in uh maryland high school uh, t- uh two students and the suspect injured in shooting at saint mary's high school a student pulled the gun out and shot two other students at a high school in southeast Maryland uh, Tuesday morning before the shooter was wounded, the St. Mary's County Sheriff said. The gunman entered Great Mills High School in Great Mills, Maryland at the beginning of the school day and shot a, a female student in a hallway, according to the sheriff. A male student was also hit by a bullet. The relationship between the students is not known at this time. The shooter exchanged fire with a school resource officer on campus and was wounded. All three students are in critical condition, but the officer wasn't injured. It wasn't yet clear how the gunman was wounded. So um, here's an example of another school shooting. This one, uh, thankfully, not as many people shot. Who knows? Uh, It appears, and of course, all the details are pretty early here, but it appears that the school resource officer at least uh, slowed it down, if nothing else. So, uh, you know, there's all this debate about guns in schools, or, well, guns, I should say. <laughs> I don't think people want any students with guns, but debate about guns. But but here you have a situation where somebody brings a gun to school, which is not legal, uh, to do that. And uh, yet the person that is there, in this case the resource officer, is able to at least slow it down a little bit. And who knows, maybe save some lives because they had a firearm as well. This was a situation where it seems like it was handled in a more sensible way. There are just a lot of weird 
circumstances uh, that led up to the Florida shooting and even the actions of the police involved uh, when the shooting was taking place just didn't seem normal, like they didn't seem part of the actual protocol. Here, a school resource officer actually got involved and shot the shooter before he could actually kill anybody. So it is refreshing to see that someone stepped up and did the job and maybe they have a totally different set of protocol there. They're maybe not on that promise program where they try to just uh, let students just continually get away with crimes until it explodes into something huge. Yeah, the deputies were called to the school just before 8 a.m., so it was right at the beginning of the day. This particular school is located 60 miles southeast of Washington, D.C., and as they said at this time, I guess the three students are in critical condition, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, interesting, there you know you just look at some of the comments to the story and uh, people being a little bit jaded, I guess. Uh, one individual said, "Well, got up, I had my breakfast, took a shower, and read about another school shooting, mm. another day in uh, America." So uh, the gun debate issue really is a whole. It's sort of a distraction in a lot of ways. The reality is there's there's problems in the schools. There's problems with the young people. They're taking out uh, very violent feelings. If they can get a gun, they do that. If they can get something else, they apparently will do that. And uh, so, what's what's the problem there? You know, what's what's the family situation like with with these people that are getting involved in these things? You know, to get to the point where you're willing to do something like that, you just have to think that there's a whole story there behind the behind the scenes it wasn't a matter of they stumbled upon a weapon one day there's there's a lot going on in the background that's and that's so obviously true to anyone who really thinks about it because i i just imagine if there's just a gun over there on that table and we saw it we wouldn't just like pick that up and go downstairs and just start shooting at everything i mean that obviously is not something that a normal person would do if the gun was in the hands of someone that had had years of trauma, maybe just a broken family, had been abused at school in terms of really bad bullying, uh, whatever it is, maybe got on some some kinds of drugs that altered his mind, that might cause someone to then pick up a gun and do something evil. But if there's just a gun lying around here, no one's going to be shooting people with it. Yep, lots of uh, lots of causes for those things, and so... Uh, obviously more story, more information about the, the story will be coming out. Uh, an update here on what's going on in Texas. And this this is not a gun situation. It's a bomb situation. This is from Reuters. Fifth package bomb goes off in Texas. No Injures way. one at a FedEx site. This one they tried to send through FedEx. Homemade bomb blew up at a FedEx uh, Corporation Distribution Center early Tuesday, injuring one person, officials said. The fifth explosion in the state this month, it was bound for Austin, the site of four other bombings. So they were trying to ship this bomb through to Austin. It blew up in this uh, FedEx facility in um, San Antonio. They don't know, of course, if it's related to the other explosions or not, but it appears this one was a little more sophisticated in the way it was made. Yeah, I I was thinking about Austin again yesterday afternoon. Uh, I was tracking a package that was coming to me, and it went from San Antonio to Dallas, so basically like went past Austin. So it made me think of that again. Uh, that just is not a place where you want any packages coming or going right now because of the fact that there's been five of them now that have been actual bombs. Uh, it's just shocking that these keep taking place. I mean, it's 
it's hard to even imagine that just one person could be doing this and and get away with it five different times. Well, and it's it's one of those situations where it's it's not the exact same thing every time. You know, if the first three were left on residential doorsteps. The fourth one was a set off by a tripwire. This one blows up in a FedEx uh, delivery uh, uh, headquarters or, or distribution center. And uh, it, it explo- this last one exploded shortly after midnight uh, in uh, this uh, distribution center just outside of San Antonio. And so but it, they appear like they're getting more sophisticated. At first they thought maybe it was... They were they was they could find some sort of a racial profile because I think the first three blew up at, at residents of black people, but then two white people tripped the tripwire. You know whether it was intended for them or just anybody. And this one, of course, sort of is random. Where was it going? They didn't say where it was going. You know maybe that would be a clue or something. But you know people are wondering: is this a terrorist sort of thing? Um, local terrorists? Is it international terrorism? All kinds of questions. Is it copycat? You know, it, it's to the point where not only do they have a reward out for information, but the police actually publicly have asked the person or people involved to at least state what their motives are. Like they're 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 almost pleading, like please tell us why you're doing this. And so far, no, nothing has uh, been said, at least not released publicly. So we don't know about the private back and forth if there is any. But. Um, Every morning you wake up, I, I was, you know, woke up this morning and uh, I didn't check the headlines right away. But my wife came in, she said another bomb went off in Texas. And I was like, I, I think I did the same thing. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, it's it's getting uh, it's getting pretty uh, interesting. Well, after a while, it has to be something about that specific location. Just to, even if it's blowing up in a distribution center, people are actually sending packages there to get blown up or maybe someone involved with the postal service is involved is, is doing that too. It, it just keeps happening in the same place. So it's not just uh, a matter of like someone randomly doing something. It's, it's targeted at that area for some reason. And that's why they're probably asking about it. Like, why is it that every time packages get sent here, that's where they're blowing up or why is it that they're getting put in this town or why are trip wires being put in the same place? What is it about Austin or San, the San Antonio area that is, that is making it a target? Imagine being a, a delivery person in that area working for FedEx or working for any of those delivery services. You know, how many packages do you handle per day? Yeah. Thousands, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that they would have, or I'm guessing that they would have security, but apparently, I don't know, at some point, this got through. I was at the post office last week, which I don't usually go to the post office too often, but I happened to have a package come there. I needed to pick it up. So you get in line and um, there were, oh, I don't know, three or four people in front of me mailing lots of packages and boxes and, you know, it's all process and they they go through doing all that and, um, you know, you don't think too much of it, but this is, uh, again, it's, it's that uh, spirit of terror that's filling some of these areas to where now you look at a package and you think, what's that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of that way in airports now. Like you can't leave a bag sitting there. Mm. If you see a bag sitting there, you think what's in that. And now it's getting to be the same, even with just packages. You, you mentioned yesterday when you were going to high school that yeah. somebody left a bag out and they thought, you know, they had to send in the bomb unit. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of packages around <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing. Like we mentioned yesterday, how, 
much terror can be caused and how you can really start to shut down some things with very well-placed but minor minor explosions, really. But when people don't know where they're coming from, uh, everybody gets scared. Yeah, and they're they're clearly targeting a system that doesn't have uh, the kind of security that could stop all these bombs before they went off. I mean, uh, I can't imagine the post office just scanning every single box or opening every single box to to make sure there wasn't something like that inside of it. Even at a place like the airport where they scan your bags, uh, studies have shown that they've missed like 75% of dangerous materials like that. So how much more would be missed, obviously, at a post office where they probably don't scan the items at all? Yeah, I've been to... uh, um I've been to uh, different airports before on the same trip, you know, going through multiple airports on like a, a particular one particular trip, and I've had my bags treated differently at, at different airports, where sometimes they'll they'll take things out and other times they just let it go. And I thought, well, what's the difference? I mean, yeah, <laughs> what's the protocol here? But uh, anyway, it, every day you wake up and you think, wow, is something gonna something gonna have happened there in Austin. So, uh, interesting ongoing situation. Uh, here's an interesting story from the uh, Telegraph. Uh, Xi Jinping, <clears throat> looking at some international news now, Xi Jinping says China willing to fight, quote, bloody battle to regain <clears throat> a rightful place in the world in blistering nationalist speech. <coughs> He's better at speaking than I am. Didn't he go on for like three hours one time? I couldn't even <laughs> read that headline. Wasn't without it without coffee. notes too? Yeah. That he just went on for three hours? Incredible. Incredible. I couldn't even, I couldn't make it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> President Xi Jinping delivered a blistering nationalist speech Tuesday, warning against any attempts to split China and touting the country's readiness to fight the, quote, bloody battle to regain its rightful place in the world, which is uh, at the top, I assume. <laughs> Mr. Xi, who is set to rule China for life, having scrapped presidential term limits, uh, lauded his vision of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. Uh, very similar to what you hear from Vladimir Putin. They want uh, Russia to be revived, and here they want China to be revived. He sent strong warnings to Taiwan and Hong Kong, who who had representatives sitting in the hall, talk about uncomfortable moments, <laughs> uh, self-governed regions that the Communist Party of China seeks to unify politically with the mainland, saying that any efforts made towards their independence would be doomed. There you go. People think, you know, people want to get on, uh, you know, President Trump for different things. Uh, but uh, how would you like to be in a country where they say, if you know, if you do anything, you're doomed and they mean it. <laughs> like that's uh, that's a different level of, uh, uh, well, rulership or authoritarianism than anything we'd see here in the U.S. at this time. There was some kind of story the other day about how uh, a reporter who rolled her eyes at something that Xi Jinping said has disappeared. I don't know what ended up coming of that but that just shows the kind of power he has within his own country and when you lock down your own country like that you can then uh, expand pretty uh, forcefully outside of your own borders too yeah which they're doing Uh, he said that china which has been building military facilities in disputed territory in the south china sea and has established military bases on a recognized foreign soil since mr xi came to power in 2012 would not seek expansion. <laughs> They've been expanding this whole time. I think we still are, but he said they would not seek expansion. You know, <laughs> starting when? Once we conquer the whole world, we won't be seeking any more expansion. He said only those who are accustomed to threatening others will see everyone as a threat. 
<laughs> that's one of those uh, sentences you have to read about five times. You're like, now what is he saying? Interesting. Yeah. So only people that, yeah, are accustomed to threatening others see everyone as a threat. How about building uh, military installations in the South China Sea? How were we supposed to take that? It's an overture of peace. <laughs> well, he must see everything as a threat too, because they're they're pretty belligerent themselves, and it's probably why they're moving so quickly to defend themselves and to expand, because they see a lot of threats out there too, and rightly so. There are threats all over the world, uh, but the thing is, those threats are usually not aimed at China. They're they're aimed at America, Britain. The nations that God has blessed really are the primary targets. Yeah, and I, I was thinking when we were when I was just kind of looking over this story, I thought you know the fact that we're just even talking about this story today and saying you know, obviously uh, he's off base on some things. You you couldn't even say that in China. Just no. the fact that we can say that you couldn't say that there, like you pointed out with that reporter, that even apparently didn't agree in some fashion. Um, you know, we have a lot of freedom, which is which it's easy to take for granted. Doesn't mean it'll always be that way, but but for now, I mean, you can at least comment on some of these things. Uh, they say China is overseeing a massive global trade infrastructure initiative to revive the ancient Silk Road, drawing interest from nations participating in the investment, but also criticism from others fearing that it mainly serves Beijing's interests. The Silk Road is something to pay attention to with China's expansion. The Trumpet has a lot of write-ups about that, <clears throat> including one uh, article titled The Silk Superhighway, and the author talks about how China and Europe are collaborating on joint ventures such as nuclear research and the Gal- Galileo satellite system that are specifically designed to be a counterweight to American dominance. And then Isaiah 23 is brought up as a, uh, a warning where it talks about a mart of nations that build this uh, alliance together, including Europe, including China, to freeze out the United States. So when he's talking about China being revived in this uh, Silk Highway, superhighway, that means the end of U.S. domination. And China would really need to build those type of superhighways more than anyone. They have more than a billion people on their borders. They need to get resources wherever they can. And of course, if the more resources you control, the more trade you control, and that does play right into that. Also, with them trying to get satellites, uh, that's not just to explore space. That's also to control missile systems, which is then a threat from high above. That's terrifying to even think about. So they're expanding in the right ways. They know exactly what they're doing. And uh, it's just a matter of if other nations figure out what's going on in time to save themselves. Yeah, even if you just look at, again, the, I think the ages of these leaders, I'm not sure how old Xi Jinping is, but he's he's an older fellow. Um, I'm guessing he's in his 60s. I'm not sure, but just looking at him. And then uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's 65, I think. And here, here are two dominant leaders that um, are pretty much going to rule for life, it appears. And uh, their main goal is to take their nations and make them the rulers of the world. And... Uh, you know, I'm sure they, they project further than their lives, but I would think they'd want to accomplish these things in their lives. So even if you look at their age, you look at their ambitions, what they're already doing, you know, most people live, what, 75 years, give or take. Um, so what have we got, 10 years for them? You know, they don't. They know they don't have a lot of time left. And obviously they'd like to build their nations to continue on after them and I guess put up a big statue of them or something in the town <laughs> square. But I, I'm, I'm guessing they know that... Uh, their time is limited. And so uh, 
when they have these types of ambitions and they are older individuals, you, you just have to think, man, they're going to really be pushing to accomplish these goals as quickly as they can. And that's a pretty big contrast from the way that America, for example, deals with issues like that. Uh, we have the tendency of kind of pushing our problems as far away from us as possible and thinking that generations from now will eventually deal with them. But there are certain leaders out there, like you said, that have a lot of urgency. They don't have much time left and they're not a problem that you can just push away and let the next leader deal with. You have to deal with them right now. There's no other option. And uh, you have to ask, do leaders like Mr. Trump and others know how urgent it is to, to step up and stop leaders like that? It gets to a point where you can't stop them without, as China, as Xi Jinping said, very specifically, a uh, bloody battle, mm-hmm. which they are willing to fight, he says. And uh, I believe them because they have the manpower to do it and they don't value uh, human life the same way the West does. <clears throat> they don't They don't care. <laughs> they will gladly just march out their armies and uh, just overwhelm you with numbers. So when you have a leader in, in an Asian nation talking about a bloody battle, that's not one that the West can win, not on manpower. No, I mean, there's a lot of indications that they don't value life like we do. China has a forced abortion policy. Any any child past the first child in a family has to be aborted. So uh, just that alone would tell you. But then if you look historically, too, like you said, leaders would, without hesitation, just throw waves of men at any battle and knowing that they would all get mowed down if you if you look at that mindset and contrast it with the way that we've handled issues like that like in the civil war uh, union generals kept on pulling back instead of going forward and wiping out the confederacy they could have ended the war right then but a lot more lives were lost because the battles kept on being prolonged russia and china do not deal with it that way they're going to finish it right away uh, they don't worry about how many lives are lost in the process. They're trying to win and win quickly. And and if they can revive sort of this national nationalistic spirit in their nations, which I think they're they're going to do, whether it's through just force or maybe some people will get on board with that, then people are willing to fight for their country. And uh, Mr. Stephen Fleury in the Trumpet Daily today was t- talking about how you know we don't have that in the U.S. and the U.K. anymore. You know, he, he talked specifically about the U.K. and their military. And uh, they don't they don't talk about fighting for God, King, and country anymore. <clears throat> That's not something that they w- would even mention. And so at that point, you have to say, well, what are, what are you fighting for, though? That's that's not a very very inspirational way to get your military going. No, we don't have any common values in our nations anymore. We don't have a we don't have enough pride in the Constitution, the biblical principles that founded our nations. And so uh, there there isn't much to fight for. If you look over at China and Russia, they obviously don't fight for biblical principles either, but they have strong men in power who pretty much rule by fear and complete force, and their people's standard of living is lower. So all they really have to look forward to is national victories. They don't have the comforts and the luxuries that we tend to have in the West, and so the people have to throw their heart into being nationalistic and patriotic. That's way more important to them than it is to us over here because we're so distracted by all these different uh, commodities and, and items that other people could only really dream of. 
Yeah, and there's a focus on uh, sort of individualism in this country, <clears throat> in the West, I guess, where people are more concerned about their individuality, even though they're all doing the same thing, uh, <laughs> than, uh, than say, a, a national goal. You know, it's interesting. This uh, next story here is uh, really a sad note, but it's it's worth mentioning. This is from the USA Today, and uh, it's, you know, you think about the West and and what we were just mentioning there about how people are being coming, be very just uh, uh, a lot of individualism and so forth. But we don't see uh, happiness expanding or growing. Uh, the teen suicide rate is soaring. They say, and the biggest rate increase was among. Um, black youth, but uh, going up just astounding percentages. This is the the graphic they have is suicides per 100,000 of 10 to 17-year-olds from 2006 to 2016, so that decade there a couple years back. And the the increase uh, percentage-wise in uh, the deaths of black teen suicides, it's gone up 77%. And among the whites, it's at 70%. There was, in 2006, it was 2.97 uh, white people between 10 and 17 committed suicide. And then 2016, it was 5.05 per 100,000. And among the black community, it was 1.48 up to 2.62. So even though the percentages are higher in the black community, the actual amount of uh suicides is is larger in the white community of course it's a larger population but mm-hmm. but still 77% and 70% increases and they they can't come to any conclusion they talk about well maybe some mental health or we don't know but they don't talk about family breakdown and and um i would have to think that's got to be the main cause of all of this well yeah you have to look at the time frame 2006 to 2016 what has happened in that decade to cause such a spike and family breakdown has gotten to be far more of a problem than it ever has been before. Even in just 10 years, you see a dramatic increase in broken families. It's it's something like, um, I think it's like 70% of black families have to deal with one-parent households and then 40% of white families. Uh, and, and that's just an epidemic on in every race almost. It's, it's an epidemic because... Really, if you look at it, the government is encouraging that type of behavior. It subsidizes families uh, for breaking apart or for staying unmarried or for being single parents because that's when you get the handouts. You get you get a government check for allowing your family to be broken apart. So the government is behind that. Of course, ultimately, Satan is behind that. He hates family more than any being possibly ever could and more than we could possibly even fathom. And he's very effective at breaking us apart. Another rise uh, from 2006 to 16 is just uh, social media, smartphones, all kinds of technology like that where people have been living their lives online. And, And then when you combine that with parents not being involved like they should be, you have kids who do not have an in person life of any value. It's all online. There's a lot of bullying there. They never get detached from it. They get all their so-called fulfillment from the online world. And there's a lot of perversion there, too, that can make people miserable. Yeah, I think maybe a really good uh, thought on the social media usage is just, like you say, um, just what it's replacing. You know, uh, yes, there's a lot of bad on there. 
and that's that plays into it. But even if you just look at what it's replacing, we only have so much time in a day. And if uh, teenagers are just so engaged in social media or whatever they're doing on their phones, I mean, I see them. I have them in my neighborhood, and they get off the bus, and they immediately they look at the phone the whole walk back to their house, checking for very important emails, I'm sure, about homework <laughs> and such. Uh, but what you know, you uh, you have you're missing out on family time or on communication with other human beings. It's a it's a pretty lonely existence, and they said that uh, the the group at the highest risk for suicide in this in this age bracket are white males between the ages of 14 and then 21 so it gets a little bit out of the teen range there too that's the group at the highest risk for suicide there's an attack against boys and young men in the west and it's been going on for quite some time and uh again you, these are the results these are the fruits so USA today just looks at the numbers they say, what's going on here? And then they say, well, maybe we, uh, maybe we just need to think more about mental health issues. Well, maybe you need to look at what's causing those issues. What is causing these kids to have these uh, suicidal thoughts? Uh, a study of pediatric hospitals released last May found admissions of patients ages 5 to 17, 5 years old to 17 for suicidal thoughts and actions more than doubled from 2008 to 2015. Do, do, do people think, looking at these numbers, that this great social experiment of destroying the uh, biblically-based family model and, and venturing off into who knows what, do, does anyone think that, that uh, we need to go further in that direction? <laughs> the, the further we go in that direction, the more you see these type of numbers. Well, yeah, and it's, it's pretty clear that every function, every aspect of society is all out attacking boys and manhood all of the mass shooters have been fatherless boys that is uh just an an undeniable trend Uh, girls are not out there killing people it's all boys who are doing that uh there is an all-out attack you see that in all kinds of tv shows in the media in um, any kind of entertainment it's just even out in government education boys are being taught to kind of subvert their natural instincts of wanting to provide and protect the girls. And then all of a sudden, when they when they get out of that type of mindset, you have these predators come in there and, and take advantage of the girls. So the girls are hurt by it uh, just as much as the boys are. Uh, but it's not even just an attack on boys. You, you said 14 to 21-year-old white males that there's an attack on the white race too. And it's something where you couldn't even, you couldn't even comprehend that taking place somewhere else. You know, for example, if blacks went into Asia and started demanding that the yellow race be toppled, uh, could, could anyone even think of that happening? It just is impossible. Uh, yet that's happening here. Uh, you know, the founding fathers even are just being denounced as white racist men who have no credibility simply because of, the way they were born uh, doesn't matter what their ideas are. It just is that they are white. They are men. The whites have been in charge of America, supposedly, even though Asians do incredibly well here as well. Uh, and so you have to just tear down everything that is successful. Why, why is it a push to tear down boys to make sure that girls have the success that they want? Why, do, why does a white race have to be torn down so other races have the success that they want? Can't we be focused more on building instead of trying to destroy everything. Uh, 
Yeah, those are really uh, difficult uh, numbers to look at as far as what's happening with the the young people, and they're very hopeless um, in a lot of cases. And then, in particular, with the the, the white males, uh, when you don't have a purpose or you don't know what your purpose is in life, then uh, you can become very uh, depressed and very hopeless. Um, and that's really the message that's being sent out to the to the young men is that uh, you don't really have a purpose. You don't have a place. You know, we don't want you to, you're not supposed to, uh, you know, be a provider <laughs> for a wife. You're not supposed to be a protector. Those are male chauvinistic uh, uh, qualities, right, as they would say it. So what are you supposed to do with your life? You, you, they can they can turn inward. They can just spend their time trying to uh, you know find their own happiness and pleasure in life. But God did not design men to just roam about by themselves. Huh. It's not good that the man should be alone. Exactly. And so, but but in order for the man not to be alone in the right way, he has to fulfill his God given family responsibility. And when that's been obliterated, because they probably haven't seen it growing up, society tells you that's not the way to go. And uh, you you just don't don't probably even know what to do. Then a lot of people get depressed sometimes to the point of it you know becoming a suicidal thing. But again, it's all back to the destruction of the family, and that's where the cause is. And this article, they're they're at a loss. No idea. Maybe maybe we need better mental health care. Maybe we need better families. That's very true. And the biblical manhood book on the trumpet dot com pinpoints two specific alternatives that. Uh, males turn to when they are told that they that their natural role is no longer necessary in society it's video games and pornography those are the two things that every male seems to turn to when they get cast aside when they get told that no you shouldn't be strong you shouldn't be dominant you shouldn't be a leader you shouldn't be decisive you shouldn't be trying to help girls as much as naturally you would want to Uh, anytime men are cast aside like that they don't, they don't become men. They become very selfish, very inward-looking, even perverse uh, in a lot of ways. And it's just completely destroying their character and taking away their ability to help anybody else. And it makes them dangerous, too. Yeah. So it's uh, really uh, bad numbers, but it's always interesting when you look at studies where the data tells you something, but then what what do people read the data for? Like, can they find the cause? And oftentimes they cannot. Uh, here is a interesting note that uh, you may find relevant if you uh, travel from time to time on airplanes and you think to yourself, I don't want to get sick. They did a study about uh, how to not get sick as much as possible on uh, flights. Sick air travelers mostly likely to infect the next row, study finds. Hmm. So now you have something else to be paranoid about if you're sitting in the next row and somebody sneezes. The row in front? Well, it's, uh, well I'll just read it here. Uh, let's make sure I get my, uh, my facts correct <laughs> on the illnesses. They say people who fly in airplanes while contagious can indeed get other people sick. Thank you for that study. Uh, <laughs> but the risk is mainly to those seated next to them or in the adjacent row. So if you're in next to them, right in the seat or in the adjacent row. The study in the proceedings... Uh, of the National Academy of Sciences is the first to quantify the odds of getting sick based on a passenger's proximity to an infectious person. Passengers seated within one row and within two seats laterally of the infected passenger had an 80% or greater probability of becoming infected. 
Oh. Every other passenger on the plane, the probability is less than 3%. Oh, wow. So uh, the proximity is very important. If they, I suppose if they breathe on you or they sneeze on you because that's how it, it's carried yeah. in most cases. They say uh, researchers also warned that infectious crew members could infect an average of 4.6 passengers per flight. That is why it is imperative, they say, that uh, they actually follow the Bible. They didn't say that part, but <laughs> they said that if they're sick, they should stay home and not go to work. And get other. They should follow quarantine because obviously, if you're a crew member, especially if you're, I suppose, uh, going up and down and talking to the passengers, then and you're sick, you're going to get other people sick. So it's amazing. If you're close to somebody that's sick, you have an eighty percent chance of catching it. If you're a little further away, you uh, you have only a three percent or less chance. So when somebody's on a plane and they start coughing and sneezing, everyone's going to move. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're they're going to have their own seat in the back away from everybody. Within two seats or within a row in front or behind. I mean, that's that's kind of a general sickness radius that you would just about think of, of people who are sick. Those are the people that are pretty much surrounding the sick person. And so they'd obviously get the brunt of it, but it even says 3%, uh, even if you're across the plane. I mean the air is being circulated yeah. throughout the cabin. So even even when someone's coughing a lot in their isolated area, it could get back to you that way. Uh, the, those are really times when you're going to be around a lot of people like that. That Of all times, you have to take a lot of extra precautions before going on a trip just to make sure that your immune system is ready to withstand other people being sick and also so that you don't get sick and and ruin someone else's trip as well i mean that's it's just way too easy for those diseases to spread really quickly when there's a lot of people packed in there together like that i wonder what the uh studies would show and maybe they've done these i haven't looked them up but what the studies would show about people that work in in service industries where you're in contact with other humans a lot i wonder what the chances of them getting sick more often are what if you work what if you're uh you work at an airport or you work on the plane in some fashion all these people keep cycling through you'd you'd think that eventually uh somebody would come on there with something you know so uh who knows yeah it's it's never um i don't think i've really ever had to travel when i was sick thankfully but uh sometimes you see somebody and they are as you know cold or flu or something and uh I would imagine they would feel sort of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone knows <laughs> that's the, that's the infected person. And like you said the recycled air is a big thing. <sighs> Even if no one's sick on the plane that can kind of mess with your mm-hmm. sinuses and other things. But uh yeah, it, it's just a big a sickness chamber in the sky. You do see a disproportionate amount of hand sanitizer dispensers in a lot of these public jobs like the ticket taking desk uh, mm-hmm. at right before you go onto the plane. Uh all these different jobs any any like hotel uh like desk manager there's always hand sanitizer back there because you're just touching a lot of random hands and objects and disease can spread really quickly that way it'd be interesting to see a study of like what percentage of all sickness is mainly caused by not quarantining because that's what what you mentioned about this being a biblical principle although they didn't say it it's been in the bible for thousands of years if you are sick, remove yourself from the camp. Do not be around everyone else. Don't don't go to your, your job or to your, your classes or, or on a trip like this because you're going to get everyone else sick. You're supposed to avoid that. I had another business idea. <clears throat> what a, you know, you got people that are concerned about getting sick. 
Or what if you uh, offered to sell them a hazmat suit at the airport? Mm. You can travel in this full-on bio <laughs> hazmat suit. I'd buy one. You know, It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, because it would. Uh, you could. Uh, you'd be guaranteed of a less chance, I suppose, of getting <laughs> sick. You'd look a little goofy, but no one would be able to see who you are anyway. Yeah, like they couldn't see into it well enough to know who it is. Well, it would be, yeah, it would become a security concern. So I guess we'd have to have a transparent one. So you're like in a. <laughs> yeah. You're like in a bubble. Your own personal bubble. Maybe maybe it's like in a store after the checkpoint. So you get you get through security and then you can put it on. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> rent it. <laughs> they used to rent they used to before the advent of uh, the cell phones and everything, they used to rent movies. Like you could you could buy a little movie unit, watch a movie and drop mm-hmm. it off at another airport. Same thing. Hazmat suit. <laughs> like give them the stats. Tell them, hey, yeah, there's a good chance you're getting sick today. You don't want to spend thirty five dollars on this uh, hazmat rental? There's going to be a market for that. Yeah. There are there are germaphobes out there and even just a lot of us regular people who who do not appreciate the person who's hacking on the entire flight would probably take advantage of that. Not to mention the comfort animals. You, you might have a peacock sneezing you on you. Serious? I mean, that would give you some kind of a tropical, deathly disease. So that, right. I mean, it would be even worse than just a regular human on there coughing it up. You don't want a peacock sniffling behind you. What is <laughs> if it, if it's doing that to the peacock? What's it going to do to you? <laughs> That's the question. Uh, the trumpet dot com today. Make sure you stop and check that out. Very uh, important story there. Vladimir Putin, friend or foe? This is from trumpet editor in chief, Mr. Gerald Flurry. It says, Russia's president is a dangerous man should U.S. President Trump form an alliance with him. And they write that Vladimir Putin won yet another election as Russian president on Sunday, with Russia accused of poisoning a spy in England and controversies over election meddling in the United States. It's more important than ever to understand this man's character. And here's an article from January 26, 2017 by Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Flurry on exactly that. So it was written uh, a little while ago, but it's very important. Uh, By the way, somebody sent me a uh, YouTube link or a video link yesterday after the show. They've been listening, and and it was of some of the Russian uh, interference in the Russian election. Mm. And this old lady walks over with with, uh, some balloons, and helium balloons, and lets them go to, like, block the CCTV (laughs) so they couldn't see what was going on. (laughs) I was like, oh, there you go. Wow. So they're very manipulative over there in Russia. Uh, a couple of quick uh, uh, points, though, from this article. It says, Putin supports Iran, the number one terrorist-sponsoring nation in the world. With troops and nuclear weapons development, this is a perverted, sick policy since Iran considers America the great Satan and Judah the little Satan. How can Mr. Trump foster a profitable relationship with a man who has such a disgusting, devastating, satanic policies? Can God get along with the devil? This is the real world. We need to consider this. So pretty strong comments there. But that when you look at Vladimir Putin, I mean, uh, as was brought out the other week, I think, by Brad McDonald, some people think, yeah, he's a pretty good dude, as they would say. But he's killed more than 160,000 of his own people in Chechnya alone, including 130 journalists. I mean, what what type of a man is this? This illustrates the human capacity for just finding gray areas and just about any subject. This shouldn't be an area where people are sort of satisfied with the way that Putin does things because he seems like a conservative in some ways, or they they at least think that he's giving strong leadership. No, he is an evil authoritarian leader, and he's extremely dangerous, and people have to understand that. Um in some ways right now, uh, the people on the conservative side in this country might be a little bit 
uh, to pro Vladimir Putin just because of how much the left has gone into a meltdown about him recently. Uh, but it shouldn't matter what side anyone's on in America. Everyone needs to realize Putin does not care about Republicans or Democrats. He hates the country as a whole, all 360 plus million. It doesn't matter what your affiliation is. And he would gladly wipe this country out if he got the chance. Yeah, that's a very good point. We, we I think in the West, in the U.S. here, we tend to be very much uh, the naval gazers, as they say, <laughs> contemplating our own navels and, uh, and uh, you know, thinking that the whole world is very concerned about uh, Democrats versus Republicans and as if they're sitting there over in uh, in Moscow, you know, really thinking, well, what are the policy points of these different groups? <laughs> like you said, they're, they're against America, and that's all there is to it. And a matter of fact, they love division. They love fostering division in other countries and um, have been doing so very successfully. Mr. Armstrong talked about that, the reach of the communists into the United States, and they love it. And and it's been proven out very recently in the most recent election, right, the U.S. election, where they said they showed that, yeah, the Russian-backed hackers, uh, they'd, you know, throw out something about Black Lives Matter and they'd throw out something against the police and they'd throw, they're on all sides just trying to make people divided so they're easier to conquer. And that's straight out of literally their playbooks or their instruction manuals. They They do talk about how it's not just an economic movement. It's not just a matter of communism seizing uh, private assets and running them uh, through the government. It's it's economic, it's military, it's social. It attacks every aspect of society, brings it down from within by infiltrating it, and then it takes over, it comes through the ruins, and it, it raises up a communist society. So that's why Mr. Armstrong warned about that even back in the 50s, just how dangerous communism is. We we should not let it be even a fringe political party in this country. There's no under no circumstances should we have ever let it infiltrate the Democratic Party the way it has, because now we see the fruits of it. We see the rioting. We see the constant lies and slander in the media and from the Democratic Party, uh, the hatred that is now out there in an unfounded way for the president right now. Uh, and that is being stirred up by the communist ideology. Very dangerous ideology. You need to uh, check out this article if you get a chance to. Uh, Vladimir Putin, friend or foe. It's at the uh, trumpet.com. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show is coming up in a bit. Uh, Mr. Stephen Flurry today talked about the weakening of the U.K. and the U.S. militaries, focusing a lot on the U.K. Uh, the militaries are just uh, very much weakened from what they were. And part of the reason is because of the people, obviously, that they have to work with. And in order to try to get their recruiting numbers up, at least in the U.S., they've had to lower standards. And I think it's the same in the U.K. One of the things that they've had to do in the U.S. is say, okay, well, if you got caught smoking marijuana one time, uh, well, I don't know how many times, but if you got caught doing it, that's okay. Just promise you won't do it again, and you can come into the military. You know, and those are considered, I guess, level four recruits, which is not your top <laughs> top group, and they only take a certain amount from that level. But still, because of the weakened morale of the people, uh, morality and morale, uh, they are having to go scrounge up different individuals that normally wouldn't be fit for military service. You take that and you look at a, a shrinking defense budget, uh, just uh, the decaying, really, of, of the military uh, machinery, 
and and then look at the people you have to work with, and it's no wonder we're weakening by the day. Yeah, I heard a commentator talking about this recently and was just bringing out how there's a staggering amount of people who could not even do, say, five push-ups in a row, couldn't travel a mile on foot in under 20 minutes. Uh, it's just, it is something that is unprecedented in this society or in any place in world history uh, just to have the kinds of oh, just just staggering health problems that are afflicting us, just the obesity rate. 30% of the population now is capable of having the physical fitness standards of being in the military, which means that 70% are not. Uh, that is alarming because of what this nation is facing, a lot of real threats that are out there, and you can't just send out drones to to take out isolated targets sometimes. You have to put boots on the ground, and you have to deal with an issue decisively with actual manpower. But where is it going to come from? Of that 30% that's even physically fit enough, they have to desire to go into the military because there's not a draft in this country. So it just it means basically a minuscule amount of people could meet a realistic standard. So like we've been talking about at Trumpet.com, what do you do? You have to lower the standards since no one can meet the standard. Yeah, that's what they're having to do. There's plenty of headlines that point to that. And then at the same time, uh, you have China and Russia that are building their militaries, certainly, certainly with technology, but also just people. Lots of people. And uh, there's a headline from The Express uh, from January 2017 where it says Merkel calls uh, for EU army to defend Europe as relations with UK and USA weaken. And also just uh, our militaries are weakened as well. They know that who's going to defend them if they um, were to get into a battle and who are they going to get into a battle with? Well, they're, they're worried about Russia. Obviously, they're worried. They're looking into the Middle East there, of course. They need uh, they need an assurance of protection, so they're they're looking to build their own military to do that. And of course, there's they've, they've been working on that quite a bit. So as we weaken, these other nations are getting stronger and stronger. And uh, also, as was brought out on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show, just the 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 opening up to uh, uh, groups of society that used to not be able to go into the military, you know, the homosexual community, that type of thing. And now they're opening the doors for it. Come on in. Well, um, <laughs> you get what you get in that situation as well. There's a really important uh, write-up from thetrumpet.com. We don't have time to get into a lot of it, but we can at least mention it. And that is, uh, the title is Why Character Counts in Leadership. This is by Trumpet Daily Radio Show host Stephen Flurry. An important, an important point America has apparently forgotten. And he goes through and he highlights different individuals from the Bible that had great personal character, and God used them very effectively in leadership roles. And that's something that is not uh, not esteemed anymore, is the individual character of not just the leaders, but the people that would be in a military. Well, we've heard some pretty terrible stories coming out of our military about uh, just statistics about sexual assault and rape in the military, which is a natural byproduct of integrating the forces, having co-ed forces, um, somehow thinking that it would be okay to have men and women living in close quarters, unmarried and yet living together. Uh, that's never going to work. There was the, the photo sharing scandal where I think some men took pictures of women naked and started sharing them amongst the troops there. Uh, then there's been the controversy about 
transgenders in the military and whether the the government and the taxpayers should pay for them to have gender reassignment surgeries. Um, And Mr. Trump has tried to block that, yet it looks like a judge is trying to block him from blocking that. So the fact that we are squabbling about these issues and that the morale, the morality has broken down the way it has is not a reassuring uh, fact for our military. That's, that's something that could lead to us collapsing from within before we even get attacked by anybody else. Right. And you can't, even though they're trying to put more money on the, in the military budget here in the U S which again is, is debt money because we don't have it. uh, You can't buy character. You can't throw a dollar figure at it and say, okay, everyone have character now. That's something that you can't buy. And, you know, what would you rather have? Would you rather have an army that that uh, does have some uh, technological advantages, but they have no character? Or would you rather have people with character? I'm sure the people with character would win eventually. It just That's the way it goes. And, uh, you know... So something you can't buy, you've got to got to work at it and, and uh, live a certain way of life. Well, God says in the Bible that he's punishing our nations because of the people's sins. And that has led to the pride in our power being broken, which is in the book of Leviticus. Uh, we have so much when it comes to military technology and capacity to dominate the world if there was the will to do it. But the will is taken away by sins. Sin always cripples willpower. It always cripples strength and courage. And we're seeing that in our own military. Yeah. So really interesting Trump at Daily Radio show today. Make sure you do check that out. And then uh, some related write-ups there at the uh, trumpet.com as well. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you check out the Key of David program coming up in just a bit. And then that Trumpet Daily Radio show as well. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.